Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, November 10th, 2019. The share ID numbers for Friday, November 8th, are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 13,635. That's 13635. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 13,637. That's 13637. This morning, A Vision for You presents Learning from Our Experiments. Most of us have come to Overeaters Anonymous as a result of the constant defeat, frustration, and despair we experienced as compulsive overeaters. Most of us have spent years or decades on the Research and Development Committee trying to find a way out of this vicious cycle of our disease of compulsive overeating. Isn't it amazing that the same behavior always brings the same result? That is a scientific concept. If a scientist kept on repeating the same experiment while expecting different results, we would question such methods. In our lives as compulsive overeaters, we repeatedly acted upon certain assumptions, such as, this time I will eat just one. This time I will stay stopped. Usually for us, this assumption was followed by the truth that one bite is too many and a thousand are never enough. As compulsive overeaters, our experiments go on for years, decades even. Every time our experiments fail, we say, let's try this again. This time I will do better. I can get this thing right. I can control it this time. We experience the same lesson repeatedly until we learn the lesson. As real compulsive overeaters, we are bodily and mentally different from others. Our pain and our frustration finally becomes our driving force of desperation to be ready and willing to do anything which will free us from the bondage of our disease. Presenting on the topic of learning from our experiments this morning is Craig F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Oklahoma. Craig is a devoted member of A Vision for You and a loyal servant, and it's with great pleasure and deep appreciation to welcome Craig to the line this morning. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Leah. Can I be heard? I hear you well. Good. I'm worried about the earphones. Thank you for that introduction, and good morning, everybody. This is Craig F., Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I want to start by reading a couple paragraphs from the big book. I think that's always a good way to start. And and, I'm on page 31, and down about the middle of the page, it says, here are some of the methods we tried. Drinking beer only, limiting the number of drinks, never drinking alone, never drinking in the morning, drinking only at home, never having it in the house, never drinking during business hours, drinking only at parties, switching from scotch to brandy, drinking only natural wines, agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job, taking a trip, not taking a trip, swearing off forever with and without a solemn oath, taking more physical exercise, reading inspirational books, going to health farms and sanitariums, accepting volunteer commitment to asylums, we could increase the list ad infinitum. We do not like to promote any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. 
Try it more than once. It will not take long for you to decide if you're honest. There's a big word. If you're honest with yourself about it, it may be worth a bad case of the jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. So the book is the big book and Bill is um, inviting us to do to first of all to look at the experiments we've already run and and then to maybe do an, a new experiment if we're not quite convinced. Um, so if we're going to do some experimentation and we're going to look at the results of the experiment, um, perhaps we ought to look at them from a um, a, a rigorous point of view, uh, what we would maybe call a scientific point of view. If you Google scientific method, uh, there's a whole bunch of different responses, and, and uh, apparently there is no uh, settled science on on what the scientific method is because there is the uh, there's everything from the five steps to the twelve steps of a of a scientific method uh, listed, and uh, but all of them. All of them start out with ask a question. You have to ask, and most of them will tell you that you have to ask the right question. If you ask the wrong question, you're you, you're going to answer the wrong question, and you're not going to get the results you want. So you have to start with the right question. Um, when I was a, a young man in college, um, I uh, went to a, a talk by the director of the National Science Foundation, and he laid out some things that if you could invent these things, you would uh, probably never have to work again in your life. And, and he laid out these challenges for you to think about. And, and he said the, he was talking about the point is that, uh, that it, things like it wasn't the stair builders that invented the elevator. It wasn't the, the horse uh, people that invented the car that it's always comes from somewhere new. But one of the challenges he laid out was, this was in the 1970s, was that if you could figure out a way to develop pictures, you know, when we used to take pictures and have the film develop, it, it used uh, silver oxide and silver nitrates to develop those pictures. And if you could figure out a way to do that without using the silver, that you could probably make a fortune that people were looking for the chemical in that. Now, you see... Um, in a sense, he was asking the wrong question because no, nobody gets pictures developed anymore, right? We all, uh, you take, well, very few people. W what happens is we, uh, we take pictures and we save them electronically. And, and uh, we couldn't see the problem correctly at that point. He, we didn't see the problem because we didn't see, so we didn't see the solution. And, and so we have to see the problem and ask the right question in order to find the solution. So um, uh, the uh, second step in, in, the, in, in the most of those listings in scientific method is to do a background research. I, I survey other people's research, look and see what research has already been done on the, uh, uh, on the topic. And, and that's what we do when we come to meetings, I think, is we, we listen to other people's experience, strength, and hope. We, and if we look around for people who don't just carry a, the message we want to hear, but carry a message of recovery, who have long-term recovery to share, we, if we ask, what question did they ask? You know, 
did, did they come into the meeting and say, how do I get skinny? You know, and, and they may have at first, you know, but they learned over the, they learned over time that there was actually a different question that they needed to ask. The, the, the nature of the question they're asking changes as their recovery grows. And so we, we come in and we, uh, listen to those people and we listen to the, it, it, hopefully, and we listen to them honestly, uh, about how do, how, what is recovery and how did we get it and how do I, how do I get out of where I'm at? Um, you know, uh, what's the right question? Um, and, uh, and, and then we ask ourselves that question and, 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 the, the, uh, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, um, uh, you know, the big book says the purpose of this book is is to uh, help us get closer to God. I'm paraphrasing, you know. And, and, but when I walked in, that was the last thing on my mind. You know, when I first walked in, the la- first thing on my mind was, how do I get skinny? You know, H- how do I get how do I get to the right body weight? How do I get to uh, where I'm comfortable in my own skin because I wasn't, and 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 that's maybe a, a good goal. But um, as long as I was doing that, I, I was fair game for my sponsor's question. There's your vanity. How's your sanity? And I couldn't see myself as insane, and so I wasn't asking how do I get sane, how do I get that right relationship with God and with my fellow human beings. So um, the the next step is to develop a hypothesis, you know, and and the hypothesis is uh, a, a statement that you are going to try to prove to be true or not true. Um, I'm going to hypothesize that if I um, work the steps, that um, I'm going to be restored to sanity. That that's a good hypothesis, and and that's that's one. Uh, that we can test by working the steps. If I hypothesize that if I eat the right food plan, I'll lose weight, you know, maybe that's true, but uh, will I uh, will I be able to maintain that over any given length of time? Will I be ma- able to maintain that and maintain my uh, sanity or to find sanity in that? You know, um, diets work. Uh, they they all, they all work. They work for a short time, uh, and then the, and they work until they don't work. And uh, that is something that we've all found in our, in our research. You know, uh, I think most people, most of us, are probably experts when we come in on dieting, or at least we've we've tried enough diets. I I, I know I did. You know, I, I tried I tried everything that I new to try. Uh, I was 39 years old when I walked in my first OA meeting and uh, I, I had tried uh, paying ways uh, uh, until I was doing it out of uh, uh, obligation and not that I had any faith they'd work. I, I, I tried uh, going to a doctor and getting the, the hormone shots and the vitamin shots and the amphetamines. I I tried the drinking man's diet. I tried numerous times uh, cabbage soup cleanses, where all you did was drink, was eat cabbage soup for a week, and 
and, and all those insanities. And, and you know, every, I, I'd have to say that there was uh, some success in, in, in the short term in every one of those experiments that I ran. But when I got to be, got in the program, they asked me to write a history of my food uh, and, and weight and, and, and my attempts to control it. And I, if, if I could be honest with myself, and, and I was barely able to be honest with myself about those kinds of things, but I was able to see that all of those diets ended. And, and when they ended, I put the weight back on that I'd lost and a bonus, always a bonus. And uh, that during that time uh, of that diet, my life didn't get better. It got more insane. You know, I, I became crazier. I became, you know, I, I, I particularly remember a diet when I was in that diet with the doctor gave me with the, all the amphetamines and all that stuff. And, and that that ended with me not being able to hold my hands still. I was in architectural school and I couldn't hold my hands still long enough to draw. It, I, I was so um, so nervous, so uh, um, uh, out of sorts. Now I'd lost. I'd gone from from 290 to 240. I'm six foot four, and uh, you know uh, at two, at 240, uh, I'm I'm feeling pretty froggy. You know, I played I played basketball at two twenty in high school and so I, I'm uh you know, I was fairly satisfied with that. So I went from two ninety to two forty but but I couldn't hold my hand still. I couldn't sit still. And and it it ended with uh I, I stopped to get I thought if I got just got some uh herbal tea that that would sur- soothe me and calm me down and I'm in the store getting herbal tea and they have cookies on sale and I thought well I'll just eat a few cookies and uh, of course we all know what happened the cookies triggered the allergy and uh, I uh, uh, got in the car thinking I'd eat a few of them and then give the rest of them away when I got to my studio when the other kids were there and by the time I got the studio all there was was an empty package and I'd lick the frosting off of that so um, you know, uh, the experiment, in other words, the experiment failed. My my attempt at doing that, but there was a part of me, you see, that said, well, m- maybe, maybe if I did it this way, I could go do that diet again. Maybe if, if um, maybe, maybe it was just me. Maybe if I wasn't in college and under all that pressure. Uh, you know, maybe if I wasn't uh, working full time and going to school full time, maybe that was the real problem. Um, but because I wasn't able to be honest with myself uh, about the results that I got, uh, I wasn't able to see the experiment from an objective point of view and see that that doesn't work for me. It didn't work for me. And as a matter of fact, it damaged me, you know. Uh, it, it 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 damaged my health, my long-term health. Uh, there were seven of us that were doing that diet. Four of them ended up having their gallbladders out in the next few months, and uh, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. It may or may not be, but uh, uh, I don't think it is. So, um, the the 
point of all that is to say that all of those experiments are um, only going to be of value if I can be honest about how they turned out. If I if I can take a look at them and say, um, you know, that uh, and say that I'm powerless over food, that my life is unmanageable by me. Um, if, if I can look at those experiments and say, I'm not getting to the root of the problem. There's some other problem other than food and weight at play here. And, and you know, and somewhere deep inside me, I, I knew that. You know, I, I knew that there was, um, I, I knew that there was another problem. I knew that I was somehow different than most of the people around me. Um, I didn't understand why they could, uh, why they could let it be, why they would be satisfied with one one piece of cake or a couple pieces of pizza, and where if one, when uh, they the, those things would call me, the the, the uh, there was ice cream in the freezer, it, it called me in the middle of the night. I'd go, Craig, come here. No, I. Uh, it, it, uh, but it didn't seem to do that to other people, you know. Um, it didn't seem to to affect other people when there were when there were uh, fresh baked uh, cookies spread out all over the counter, like it did me. Uh, you know, it didn't seem to. And, and and I thought for a while, well, they probably do eat like I do, but it's something about my metabolism. Uh, you know, I store. I store energy better than they do. No, that's see, that's that's dishonest. I I knew better, but but there was a part of me that hoped that was the problem, that that I simply was a better better at storing fat than most people, and 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 that could have been easily set aside, uh, but it wasn't. So um, anyway, um, the the methods I tried. Uh, and, and were and wasn't honest about you know um, I I had some magical thinking going on you know if I only eat two of something if I uh, only eat if I don't eat breakfast you know that was a good one uh, somehow it, it, it if I would have been able to look at that if I would have had the uh, if I'd have had the input of, of the people in this program. Uh, I would have understood that the limited effect I was getting from that was simply that since I wasn't eating uh, a high-carb breakfast, that I wasn't triggering the allergy. So that if I didn't eat breakfast, then lunch didn't seem to be quite the problem. And I didn't understand that, but I but I knew it worked. And so, um, you know, but by the time supper rolled around, supper became a problem again, and and because the obsession was still there. But you see, I, I I didn't understand. I I I hadn't uh, I I hadn't done my background research, so to speak. I I hadn't heard from the from you people, from from us people, from the recovered people, how how this disease worked. And so I was trying to solve the problem. It's kind of like working on a car when you don't know how a car works. You know, you, you, you're going to make all kinds of mistakes. I I, uh, I didn't know how this disease worked in my body, and so I didn't know how to uh, uh, 
attack and approach the disease. Uh, I didn't understand that. All I knew was I wanted to be different. Uh, I I wanted to be some somebody I wasn't. And so it became um, very uh, attractive to me when I read There is a Solution for the first time, and it talked about uh, it talked about being able to change. It talked about how uh, God could change me uh, and uh, that uh, I, and I, I wanted to change because I didn't want to be who I was. And so I said, I believed in God. I said, God, change me. Uh, here I am. Then change me. You know, I, I want to be different. Change me. And, and the you know, of course, it didn't happen like that. It didn't happen immediately. It didn't happen in, in God didn't follow my script. A lightning bolt didn't come down from heaven. Um, my procrastination uh, kicked in. I didn't. Uh, I didn't uh, uh, do the step work in a timely manner, um, and and I missed. I I missed those that phrase in the twelfth step that says, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps the spiritual awakening that I was looking for, that change in, in my outlook and attitudes towards life didn't come because I hadn't done the work. You know, uh, there, that's not to say that, that I am somehow in control of recovery. It's, it says that God and I have a partnership, and the partnership says that I have work to do and and God has a role to do. And if I do, if I if I do my work, if I do the work to maintain my fit spiritual condition, that uh, God will provide the rest of the power. You know, lack of power is my dilemma. There is one who has all power. And and so finding that solution and, and finding that answer um, is a, not a matter. I don't know, you know, God bless somebody that could go out and figure that out on their own, you know, uh, somebody that's that smart, that that's that, that in touch, that's that sensitive, that, you know, it's one of the reasons I think we admire the pioneers uh, of this program so much, but we don't have to do that, you know. I don't have to invent computers. I don't have to invent the automobile to be able to drive one. I don't have to invent computers to be able to use one. Um you know, there have been people that have gone before us, and I don't have to invent this program. What I what I get to do is take advantage of the experience and to listen to the experience, strength, and hope of the people that have gone before me, and and to um, to uh, take to take advantage of that by by listening to it and putting it to use. You know, we have all this. Uh, 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 great advice, and we have this big book. We have this some other literature that's good, we, but we also have the people that have long-term sobriety, long-term abstinence, and, and we can go to them and we can say, "What experiments did they run, and how did it turn out?" And we can see we can see what uh, our own um, uh, what our own uh, path needs to be. How how am I how am I to recover? I am I am to recover by by working these steps. I'm to recover by 
living the spiritual way of life by learning how to accept life on God's terms, and and you know has very little to do with food and weight, and then it has everything to do with food and weight because I can't do that. I I can't do that if I'm uh, numbed out on food, and I can't uh, and I I can't maintain. Uh, any kind of abstinence from being numbed out on food unless I do do that. So uh, the goal, uh, that that sanity goal, is sanity not just in with food, but sanity with life. So so the, the question was wrong. We've learned to ask the right question, and we've learned to, to turn to people that have found not just the question, but the answer to that question. And and that question is a spiritual state of mind. Throughout this book, throughout the big book, there are other uh, uses of the word experience. And and I and I would suggest that maybe when you hear that word experience, that um, you you say experience means experiment. That they it's the same root word. Somebody experimented. And that, and they got an experience. And uh, so, uh, for instance, in chapter seven, uh, working with others, it starts out practical experience. In other words, somebody's run some practical experiments, and and those, from those experiences, they learn something. It practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. So here's the benefit of people that have gone before us again. Here is their their experiments that they've run, their experiments that and and the conclusions they've drawn. And if it, so if I'm to recover um, and if I'm to maintain that recovery, I have to work with others. Uh, it works when other activities fail. Uh, you know, I, I can be uh, I can be on my knees all day long praying, um, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. And I, I can be uh, writing uh, over and over and over again, uh, writing about my feelings and my emotions. But those things, I think, eventually don't have the power of simply going to another uh, suffering compulsive overeater and sharing your experience, strength, and hope, of of taking on somebody as a sponsoree and saying, "This is this is how uh, I got out of the hole. This is this is this is the steps that I took to get out of the hole that you're in. Why don't you give it a try? Uh, you know, experience, experiment. Um, you know, I, I've tried." In action, I've tried, you know, being contemplative. Uh, it didn't work. Uh, you know, what 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 works for me is uh, being on that phone as much as I can when I'm not at work, when I'm when I have the time to be on that phone, taking calls from sponsorees and making outreach calls where I can, and and just sharing with people. And it's amazing sometimes what I learn. Uh, from listening to those people, so uh, and part of that, one of the last steps in that 
in that um, scientific method is share your results. You see, that's what we're doing. We're we're sharing your result, our results. I, I, I've uh, I've tried these things and they didn't work, and I've tried these things and they did work, and and here's what other people have told me, and and so I have an obligation to do that. Um, uh, I have an obligation to the people that have shared with me to pass it on. Uh, they they did it for me, and I need to do it for others. So. And I have to keep asking. I, I ask people um, all the time: Have you tried? Have you have you have you tried enough experiments? Are you out of ideas? You know, we 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 have to be at that point where um, uh, we are out of ideas. We we've run all the experiments that we run to run, and we we've hit the end of the trail. And we've gotten this gift of desperation, and then and then we can give this thing away. Then 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 when we're out of ideas, we have an opportunity to surrender to say, "Well, I, I'm uh, I'm through trying to do it my way. I've, I've tried all of these things, you know, uh, and they didn't work. So maybe now we'll try something that's worked for other people." And uh, so uh, we've asked the right question. We've asked we've asked other people that have had success what question uh, what question they need to what question they ask and what answer they found and and who it works for. And then in order to make that work, in order to to get the recovery that they have, we have to honestly, I think. And that is the big key word. We have to honestly um, say uh, to ourselves what we tried didn't work, and and, and so uh, uh, you know here here were the results, and, uh, and and here is the here is the path that led other people out. Other people out. So I think I'll follow it, and. Um, I think I'm about out of thoughts. That went quicker than I thought it would, but uh, I think I'm down to where I'm going to start repeating myself. So um, uh, with that, I, I, I'm going to close. But uh, one thing I one thing I want to emphasize one last time is that if the human power, you know, human power and, and human logic and human thought process won't solve this problem. Uh, you know, I, I I wish sometimes it would, but that's not the that that's not the answer here. You know, that I can be I can run all the experiments in the world and 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 honestly ex- at, honestly analyze those results. But if I don't if if as a result of those experience and experiments, I don't get to the point of surrender to 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 a power greater than myself. If I don't get to the point where where I realize that lack of power is my dilemma, that all, all the rest of it is uh, going to be intellectual um, narcissism. I live on a street called Narcissus, so <laughs> you know it's going to be self-delusional. It's going to be uh, it's going to be uh, ineffective. Uh, I, ha- I have to get down 
as a result of the experience I've tried, I have to get down to the point where I say, I'm powerless over food. And, and there are actions I can take, actions I should take, but it's God that has the power. And may you find him now. And with that, I think I'm ready to move to the Q&A. Okay. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Craig, for this very helpful and fascinating presentation that you offered all of us this morning. Thanks so much. Craig's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so please stay tuned for that. We will now transition to question and answers. You can pose a question to Craig by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your first name and the first letter of your last name as well, please. Star one to unmute. Deb S. Deb oh. S. Like Sam. Right. Thank okay. You. Laura R. Is this Laura R? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Anyone else at this time? Okay, not at this time. Deb S., go ahead, please, with your question. Hi, um, Leah and Craig, thanks so much. And, Craig, I heard a lot in what you said about surrender and turning it over and getting to that bottom and then surrendering. And this is this is what I would just really love some experience, strength, and hope on from you, Craig, or from anybody else that Leah might, anybody else that's on the line, if that's an option, Leah. I don't really remember doing that before, but... I, my food and the gift of recovery I've had for numbers of years, and um, I've been in um, OA for many, many years. And the Big Book is my source of all of this, a lot of the strength and the vision. But so I've had that neutrality around food for a long time. Life issues, which is a blessing. I mean, it not, it's not that it doesn't come up. The emotional and the unmanageability in life and character defects are what I'm really on now and really allowing God and asking for help and surrender with what I would really love to hear is how you how you apply this when it's not necessarily about the food and you're doing living things like getting to the place where you're through with your ideas on some part of whatever it is in your life a decision or whatever it is you've explored all the ideas like you said that you have you know and now you're saying God I really want your ideas and I want to surrender this to you and and it's a process I'm working on but boy I just I hear a lot about the food and that's where we really need to focus to get clean I just would love to hear some experience strength and hope from you Craig or if Leah thinks others could chime in on doing that about living decisions thanks um thanks Deb for that for that question um I, I'm going to try to tackle that um, a couple of ways. One um, is that uh, we uh, we do have we do have a fellowship around us where we can take those those questions too. You know, I I remember reading Bill W. that somebody asking one time later on who, who his sponsor was because you know Abby would go around claiming he was the sponsor and and. Uh, uh, you know, some people said maybe it was Dr. Bob, and and Bill said that what he did was when he had a uh, 
an issue that he wanted to work on, like maybe a, a sloth or a, a money or whatever it was, he would find somebody and program that he thought in, had that issue under control and we could go work with them for a while. And that when he thought, when he found some recovery in that area, he would go find somebody else and, and that had uh, uh, had what he needed in a particular area of life. And in other words, it, it's good to know he continued to work on areas of his life, um, you know, I think uh, up until his death, but that also that um, that he was able to not be locked into some pattern of, I have one sponsor and he has all the answers, you know. I have a great sponsor, uh, the the best. But uh, you know, there 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 are areas in life where uh, perhaps I need to talk to other people sometimes uh, in order to get a better perspective um, uh, or a different perspective on that. And then the other thing I just remember is that the step six and seven, which is what you're basically talking about, you know the the emotional recovery that comes in six and seven, um, that, you know, that we became ready for God to remove, to have God remove all these defects of character and humbly asking. And, and, you know, all my working on, uh, on certain things, uh, all my working on it does sometimes is, uh, make me more miserable w- w- with that, character defect um you know some sometimes those character defects um god leaves them in place for a reason for a season because they fit some need of god but uh if i uh, uh if i humbly ask god to remove them and and i and i just go about doing the best i can in life that sooner or later i think god God works those out, you know. And it, but we'll never we'll never reach perfection. We just we we uh, claim spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. So th- those are the my thoughts uh, that you about what you ask for. Thank you, Deb S. For the question, very helpful. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Laura R. Star one to unmute. Thank you, Leah, and thank you so much, Craig. Oh my gosh, this is Laura um, out in Colorado, and this couldn't be more perfect for me. Almost makes me want to cry. Um, I have been trying to get abstinent, truly, truly abstinent for three years, and uh, it's it's been methods you know, in Overeaters Anonymous. Now, before Overeaters Anonymous, uh, like every imaginable remedy, right? But in Overeaters Anonymous, and you nailed it, the honesty, like it's so hard and so scary to get honest. So, you know, it started with sugar and sweeteners three years ago. I would put that down. And then it realized when I put that down, the coffee came up, but I didn't want to acknowledge that. And then my volume And then the volume went down when I got into this other program. I started weighing and measuring my food. Okay, great. So now all that, but the coffee has been in my life for 
you know, whatever. And I've been working with different sponsors. And finally, about five days ago, the coffee went down, but then I substituted for this other stuff and picked up this stuff called Creo Brew. And then all of a sudden I picked up this tea and it was just like, oh my God. So two days clean, you know, off the, you know, like I had seven months, but I was drinking coffee. And so here's my question. I am so grateful for the progress that I've made over the last three years. However, Finally, two days in, I have not, there, I just couldn't, I'm almost positive, I'm 100% honest, and my sponsor had to like fight with my disease. But my question is, uh, like working with others, and do you continue to work? Like my sponsor didn't know because I wasn't honest with her. But how do you, do you think it's worth, I mean, would I, should I have stayed out and been not working the steps? even though I was drinking coffee and an addiction? Or do you think I, like, how do you, I don't even know if I'm making any sense because I do feel like I got progress. I'm not in the food, thank you, God. You know, but the other stuff was definitely hindering me. I, I was not having, like you said, um, sanity not only with the food, but sanity with my life. And everything now, I'm so excited to have everything down. I feel free and I, am, I could cry. So my, I'm going to stop. Uh, you know, if, if that made sense at all. Um, what Thank you, you Laura. It's just the honesty. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. You know, um, Laura, it's a good question again. But, um, you know, uh, here's the thing that I, I think. Uh, one of one of my character defects is perfectionism. And, uh, you know, if, um, if I'm not careful... Um, I can get into all kinds of trouble, both with my perfectionism and making excuses for not being uh, perfect. That that uh, and one of the reasons I had to give up golf was uh, I'd hit a good shot and then I'd uh, I'd get uh, muff one into the water and uh, I'd get mad at myself. And uh, you know it just wasn't worth it over time. Now the other reason is I got so big that I couldn't uh, go 18 holes and stand that long, but but it was my perfectionism. And, and you know, I think sometimes we sabotage ourselves w- with our perfectionism. Um, you know, my uh, my current abstinence, uh, my current strength run of abstinence uh, is different today than it was when I started out. Uh, you know, I, I gave up sugar and flour uh, 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 along the way. I and I, you know, I had a I had a defined quantity. I got I got I had a nutritionist, and I got a new nutritionist, and she adjusted some things. And and then I, you know, I had to take I had to realize sooner or later I had to take cheese out of my abstinence. I had to, and then I ended up having to take certain fruits, the higher sugar fruits. Out of my absence, I, I I found myself reacting to those fruits that I hadn't and I hadn't reacted before. But I, I never considered that a break in abstinence. I never considered that uh, uh, I wasn't abstinent when I was eating those higher sugar fruits because I was eating what I committed to. You know, an OA defines abstinence as at or moving towards a a uh, you know. Uh, a, an ideal body weight while abstaining from certain uh, foods and behaviors. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I was doing that. But along the way, 
you know, it's, it's part of this learning from my experience thing. I, I, I've had to make adjustments. I've had to, uh, to, to make changes, and I'm sure that I'll, I'll have to do that forever. You know, as I as I grow older, as I grow, and and you know, I'm glad I'm growing older because the alternative is not very palatable. But um, you know, as I grow older, my body changes and my body's needs change, and uh, so it, it's just in a matter of awareness and change. Now, uh, you know, we we can get wrapped up in that, but the the key here is the key here is that to be working the rest of that program diligently all along uh, you know um, you don't have to give food advice to sponsor you know send them to a nutritionist but you 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 can be uh, guiding others through the steps and and working on working on that um, that tendency to want to have some perfect abstinence from the get-go, you know, and I'm not encouraging you to not do as well as you can. I'm encouraging you to be, to accept yourself as being where you're at and doing what you're doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Laura. Thank you, Laura. Hello. This is yes. Irene L. from New York. Irene L., is that correct? Yeah, I've been on since the okay. beginning, but I didn't know how to connect, you know. To, okay. To One storm. moment. You'll have an opportunity to pose a question. Let me just see who else also has a question. Star One, Hi, can Charles you? H., with a question. Hey, Charles. Hey, Charles. Okay. Can't wait to see you. Okay, who else has Paula a question? D. Paula D. Holly B. Holly B. Okay, B. Madeline R. Madeline R. Jody E. Jody E. Anyone else? Star one, unmute. Okay, that's a group. Let's start with Irene L. Everybody else, please mute. Thanks. Oh, hi. I just, um, I don't really have a question. I just want to share how um, I've been struggling so much. I mean, I had sugar yesterday. I had sugar last week. I had years of abstinence. Polly, I'd I've, love to hear your share, but this is not the the format of today's meeting. However, if you can form a question, perhaps you're puzzled about your behavior and can form a question that Craig can attend to. Yeah, I don't understand why all of a sudden I'm slipping and sliding. Okay, I, I'm lost. I'm completely lost. Great question. That's a great question. Okay, Craig, mm-hmm. you're up. Was that Polly that asked that question? No, that's Irene L. Oh, Irene. Okay, thank you, Irene, for that question. And 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 uh, I'm not. I, I don't know why you're uh, slipping either. Um, but it's it's okay that you are, you know. I mean, it's not okay in in the sense that it's okay to slip and slide. It's 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 okay that you are because you're being honest about it. You, you're you're talking about it. You're telling people about it. And 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 the okay part means that since you're talking about it, 
and you're and you're not hiding it. You're not saying this is something I need to handle myself. That that uh, I believe you'll find help. That I believe you'll find uh, you'll find your way out of that situation you're in. You know, usually uh, for for most of us, those the, that that slipping and sliding has something to do with the buildup of some human emotion, something that in your life that you're not that you haven't attended to that uh, is is disturbing you, and uh, you haven't simply connected the dots yet, usually. And uh, I, I, I have no idea, I don't know you, I have no idea what that might be. But, um, you know, we have, we have tools that we, uh, that we can use to, uh, to, to get, beyond, get beyond that. And the tools, the tools are the steps. The tools are, are um, steps 10 and 11, uh, unless it becomes uh, bigger, then we have to go. Need to go back sometimes and be, start at the beginning. But um, we can avoid that buildup of emotion by the proper use of step ten when these things come up, and the proper use of step eleven, the prayer and meditation in the morning through the day, and, and then the uh, the daily inventory at night. That's part of step eleven, and and. When I'm diligent uh, about that process, when I'm diligent about my inventory, when I'm honest about what's going on with me emotionally, and then it seems to me that when I'm in that situation, that uh, my uh, that the food doesn't call me as bad. Now, you you may have triggered the allergy, and since you've triggered the allergy, uh, you, you you may need to be extremely diligent about uh, for a couple of days in order to get that cleared out of your system as well but yeah, um, yeah that uh, that's the, that's the best and I, I I'm, I'm hoping you have a sponsor and that you can work uh, that 10 and 11 uh, uh, up with your sponsor uh, and, and get moving thank you I hope that helps. Thanks, Irene. I hope that helps you, and I'm sure it helps others as well. Thank you. Okay, Charles H., your turn. Thank you, Leah. I am and um, Craig F. for your special education. I really appreciate this presentation this morning. Um, Craig, so I have a question for you. Um, You know, and I think um, during your answer to one of – one of the questions, you, you pretty much put some of it into perspective. But, you know, as a newcomer, we have certain opportunities that's going to be coming up in, in, in a month and a half. Um, so this, this, this saying about no sugar, no flour, my question to you is, do you think the newcomer understands what we're talking about? Do they know the difference between, um, you know, processed sugar or brown sugar or white sugar, uh, do you think that has that plays a, a significant role in, 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 in new candidates, or not even new candidates, they don't have sponsors yet, but newcomers um, finding their definition of what, what people, because a lot of people say, oh, you know what I mean, but do you think newcomers have a problem with defining abstinence when they hear 
in many OA meetings, no, no sugar, no flour. Could you elaborate on that for me? Thank you, sir. Well, thanks, Charles. Um, you know, th- this isn't sugar and flour anonymous, and uh, I, we have to be careful sometimes. Um, I think most of us, um, or most most of us, uh, that sugar and flour, processed sugar and white flour, were were things that triggered our allergies, um, and uh, you know. But the principle, I think that for a newcomer, we have to get back down into maybe a more principled stance. And the principle is that um, you know, we have an allergy, that, that we have that we're physically and bodily different than, than most humans. And that is that when we eat certain foods, uh, that it triggers a desire in us to eat more of those foods. Uh, you know, uh, when I, if I were to eat, um, uh, well, uh, if I were to eat pumpkin pie uh, today, it, it would, I wouldn't say, oh, that was nice. I'm glad I had that. I'm satisfied. The body would, my body would say, oh, I like that effect. Let's go get another one of those, you know, because I'd have eaten the whole pie. And, and and so what we have to get down to with i think with newcomers is that that the definition of their trigger foods the definition of their allergic foods is entirely personal it's 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 up to them but that if they ha- if they are one of us if they're truly compulsive overeaters that that there are there are allergic foods for them that they need to identify you know and, and they need to keep looking for those things that, that create the effect. You know, just like I talked about how, uh, you know, uh, I, had to, I had to realize and recognize. By listening to other people, it helped me to get there to say, when I, if, if I eat cherries, um, I, I'm going to want to eat more, or grapes. I'm going to want to eat more cherries or more grapes. Uh, they 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 have a triggering effect on me. And when my body was so, um, I'm going to use the word polluted, with uh, all the other foods that I was putting in it, I didn't feel that effect. But as, as the cleaner my abstinence got, and the more in touch with with my uh, body that I got, the more um, the more the I was able to see the effect. Of those things, and you know, the gift of the program is, I was able to put them down without fight and struggle. Uh, you know, I, I never thought I'd have to put cheese down, but I started to realize that when I had ch- uh, cheese as as my protein, that I wanted more cheese. You know, it it uh, it triggered, it started to have a triggering effect. Uh, the gift of the program, the gift of the spiritual pro- part of this program is that I was able to put that down. But that's for me. Uh, there's many, many people on this line that eat those things. They eat fruits that I won't eat. They eat nuts that I don't eat. They eat cheese that I don't eat. And that's fine, you know. The, it, it, the principle is that uh, I don't eat the things that trigger me. Um, and And that's what I think we have to... That's what we have to communicate to the newcomer. That that they it's a personal thing, uh, and and they 
through honesty, they can figure out what those things are that are triggering them and learn to put them down. Thanks, Charles. Thanks for the question, Charles. Well stated, Craig. Okay, Polly B., your turn. Star Thank, one, you, mm-hmm. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Leah Team Sunday, for making this meeting possible. And thank you, Craig, for your experience, strength, honesty, hope, and humility. Um, it really means a lot to me one day at a time. So I've heard other parts of your story. My question is easy. I'm not sure about the answer. Is there anyone, anything that um, they could have said to you before you reached the bottom that you did before you surrendered? Pass. Mm-hmm. I, thanks for the question. And and I, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I I had some good sponsors that said some great things to me. You know, I, I'm going to. I'm going to name drop here. I worked with A.G. Ainsworth, one of the founders of this program, as my sponsor for several years, you know. And and I was in and out of the food. Um, you know, I, I can say maybe I wasn't ready, but, uh, you, know, I did, you know, I didn't give the man a chance. Um, and, but I don't. I don't know, you know, I don't regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. I learned a lot from him. I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't desperate enough. I, I you know, my, uh, my, my genetic background is uh, Dutch, Sw- Swedish, and Irish. And, uh, you know, they're all, all kind of hard-headed people. And, and I got a double dose of hard-headedness. Uh, I, I really did. I, I'm... Uh, uh, my my mother uh, tells a story one, about one time when I was about two and my older brother was four and a half that we got trapped in a room because the door locked what didn't work right. And uh, when she found us, uh, my brother, who was older, was sitting in the corner crying and I was beaten on the door with my fists and my fists were bloody. And that's why she found us when she heard the noise. And... Uh, you know, I, I, I'm so hard-headed that uh, uh, I don't know. You know, I think that that's why for me, I, you know, I had to be in that hospital bed with that doctor telling me that uh, that I had a 25% chance of dying in the next three weeks. You know, that that's how far down I had to get before I was ready to let go. And, uh, you know, I had to hit 520 pounds. You know, I wish I could have done it, if, you know. At, at 50 pounds overweight or 100 pounds overweight, but you know I had to get 300 pounds overweight because I'm so hard-headed. And I, you know, God help me, I, I uh, soften that head. I'm, I hope I'm not as hard-headed today. That that help? I I, I want to say maybe thank too, you, that Craig. I wanna, yes. I, I want to add that that. Maybe prayer might be a, a you know, all, always a suggestion. You know, pray up. My my sponsees, I, I text them, pray up all the time. You know, pray and ask God to to soften you. You know, pray and ask God to help you uh, let enough be enough to find the bottom. You know, to help you find God. So, pray, pray, pray. Thanks. 
Thank you. Thanks, Polly B., for the question. Madeline R., your turn. Hi. Thank you for everybody's service. Thank you, Craig. Madeline R. from Pennsylvania. My question surrounds control. Um, Honestly, I could say my spiritual awakenings have come from the educational variety and the burning ethereal bush, both. And um, I have a strong belief in my higher power, who I choose to call God. Though, you know, I suffer from control. I suffer from having the nice little package that makes my life okay. And I wondered if you could share about your fit spiritual condition and, and letting go and letting God. Well, um, yeah, thank you for the question, Madeline. I, 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 I want to go back to um, that idea that, that recovery means living life on God's terms. I used to say living life on life's terms, but I like, I like saying living life on, on God's terms better. You know, the, um, part of my hard-headedness is that, you know, I want to say it ought to be different, you know. Life ought to work different. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember getting bristling at the idea that half measures availed us nothing. You know, I thought half measures ought to at least avail me half. You know, <laughs> that, uh, but see, that's life on life's terms, life on God's terms. And, and you know, when, when uh, things don't go my way, when, when people don't follow my script, when life... Um, uh, when life doesn't cooperate with my plans and designs, uh, you know, it's my plans and designs that are the problem. Uh, it's, you know, if, if I can get to the place where I say, um, God, you know, here I am, and how can I be of service to you and others today? You know, guide my thoughts and actions. Show me how I can be a service to you and others today. I'm I'm in such a better place, you know. I I, I used to get up in the morning and pray, God help me stay abstinent today. And, and there's nothing wrong with that prayer. There, there certainly isn't. But it's so much more effective for me today to get up and say, God guide my thoughts and actions today, and show me how to be of service to you and others. And, and when I do that, when I get to that thing where I am simply a servant uh, to uh, to God's will, to this God that I've accepted back in step two and turn my life over to in step three, when I get to that mindset, then um, the rest of it becomes just relaxing and, and, and uh, uh and, and living that out, and and then stopping to remind myself, you know, one of my uh, step uh, eleven practices is I I set my alarm clock on my phone to go off every two hours, and 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 the reason for that is it stop it makes me stop and say and, and readjust, you know, stop and and say or, or, or am I living that prayer that I said this morning? You know, am I looking for ways to be a service to God and others today? Or am I living a self-centered life again? And uh, so, anyway, I hope that helped. Thank you, Madeline Orr. I would, 
I would say bingo. Thank you. Uh, great. Thank you. Jody E. Star one, 10 mute. Good morning. Thank you, Leah. And thank you, Craig, for your very interesting share. I appreciate it very much. I heard you say that we can sabotage ourselves with our perfectionism. That is, in fact, I believe my experience. I have done that. I have an ideal of my ideal of eating clean and pure is to be a raw food vegan. And when I do that, when I've tried that, I get really thin and weak and dizzy and I get uh, symptoms that are not, that don't feel good, that don't feel right. So when you, you know, also, in my experience, if I take too many foods out of my food plan, there's like no end to that for me, it seems. So I'm just wondering if you could share a little bit more about what you mean by we sabotage ourselves with our perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Well, I think perfectionism as a character defect is kind of unique, um, and, but kind of not, because in, in, to me what I've come to understand is that my perfectionism is about my ego. You know, ego is not that I think too much or too little of myself. It's that I think about myself too much. And so when I'm, um, when I'm, when I am seeking this perfectionism, you know, when I want to be, you know, I always laugh at uh, when, uh, uh, Bill W. says he was uh, trying to chase Tom Tom Hagen, I think it was, whoever it was, the famous golfer on the golf course. He, he wanted, you know, um, when I'm chasing that, when I'm wanting to be go out there and, and be a PGA golfer uh, when I was only, you know, on the course a couple of times a week, um, it's about ego. It's 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 about me wanting uh, other people to see me as as some you know something accomplished. It's about me wanting to see myself in a better light. Uh, you know, it's not about me accepting me right where I'm at. When when I'm um, uh, seeking some perfectionist ideal in body weight or body type, I I used to lift weights. Uh, at one point in my life, that's one of the things I use to uh, try to get there and, and, you know, to try to get uh, healthy. And I, I figured out if more, if I lifted weights, I could eat more. But uh, also um, that, uh, you know, I, I wanted uh, I, I wanted people to look at me and think, you know, think highly of me. You know, uh, we all want to be attractive to the other sex and we want to be um uh, you know, uh, legends in our own minds, but uh, you know, it was all it was all it was all done in ego. It wasn't done for uh, my health, and it certainly wasn't done so that I had a healthy body, so that I could be a more service to God and and, and others. And uh, you know that when that becomes my goal, when that becomes my prayer in the morning. You know that how do I how can I be a service to you and others? Um, th- this this 
perfectionism, this perfectionist ideal of body weight and body type, kind of goes away. You know, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm focused more on helping uh, uh, others, sponsees, people making outreach calls. Um, I'm focused more on, on being a service by going to a meeting. When I'm focused on those things, uh, I'm not thinking about the fact that, uh, you know, and of course at my age now and what I've done to my body, I'm never going to be in, uh, uh, you know, they're not, not going to use me as a male model in magazines ever, ever. But on the other hand, uh, you know, uh, I'm not focused on, I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on, on what God has for for me to do in life today. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. That's very helpful. Thank you, Craig. Thanks, Jody. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, Jody. I'll take this moment to let everybody know the share ID for today's presentation is 13,643. That's 13643. This will be our final invitation for questions, star one to unmute. Give me your first name, including your first letter of your last name. Margaret D. Margaret D. Matthew F. Matthew F. Robin Joe B. Robin Joe B. Sandy S. Sandy S. Who did I miss behind Sandy? Kathy W. Kathy W. Mary Lee R. In Oregon. Mary Lee R. Anyone else? Going once, twice. Nancy C. Nancy C. Okay. That will be our group. Everybody, please mute except for Margaret D. Good morning. This is Margaret D. in Georgia. This is just a quick question and. Um, I'm wondering with uh, sponsees, if our main purpose is to be of maximum service to God and those about us. Um, some people, well, my experience is that some people tend to put a sponsor on a pedestal. And I think that that really serves just to keep the sponsee in the denial about what's really going on because it's easier to appeal to somebody else's ego. And I just wonder if you've had that experience and what you do to, um, what do you do? I mean, can that be offset from the get-go? Thanks. <laughs> well, thanks for the question. Um, Margaret, I, uh, I require my sponsees to put me on a pedestal. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, the uh, I, I, I don't know. You know, there, there's going to be uh, that's going to happen. And you know, I think that one of the things, well, you know, I, I had my my earthly father, my dad, on a pedestal for a long time when I was young. And I think one of the things that helped me, you know, I thought my dad had probably never done anything wrong in his life. You know, he just had that um, aura about him. 
you know he was uh mr go-to uh for every civic organization in that small town he, he was involved with with our church on a on a state national level um you know he just he was just that guy and uh when i saw him when i saw when i saw his failures and flaws and when i got older it helped me a great deal uh to realize that he just uh he he was just like me he had he had foibles and flaws and failures and he was just doing the best he could and you know um i have fav- i i think that one of the things that i try to do is to share my uh struggles w- as much as i can with my uh with my sponsees uh you know uh, i i I'm, i i lose my temper sometimes i'm not perfect i'm certainly not perfect i'm uh not uh i'm by no means ascended to any level and i i know that my sponsor uh who a lot of people put on a pedestal that does the same with me he shares his struggles and his foibles and and his you know his insecurities and it and it helps me a lot because we're all just in this boat you know traveling towards the the shore and uh, together nobody's nobody's achieved the rank of master you know so thanks craig that that really helps thank you i appreciate it thank you margaret matthew f your turn good morning thank you craig for your share and everyone on the line for your service craig i have a question about step 10 because most days i feel like i could be doing 10 steps all day long and i know i just can't do that so my question is at what point do you stop yourself and say, okay, I really need to do like a, what I might call a formal 10th step. Mm-hmm. And so what I did listening is I said, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to look for the answer myself in the book. So I turned to page 84 and if you'll bear with me for just one second, I was searching for the answer, but frankly, I didn't find it. The book says, um, we continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So those kinds of things happen to me a lot throughout the day. So like I said, I, I feel like I could be doing 10 steps all day long, but that just doesn't seem right. And I know I need to do it. I need to do 10 steps because there's some days where I just say, oh, I don't need to do a 10 step around that. I'm okay. But then boom, guess what? I've lost my abstinence three times in the last month. And so my question to you specifically is at what point in your selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear do you stop yourself and say, okay, this breached my own criteria of a 10 step. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And I, I, I don't know that there's a universal answer to that. Um, for me, um, it's when I can't let go of something, you know, um, if somebody cuts me off in traffic, I might get uh, get mad for a minute. You know, I might even cuss at them a little bit, be under my breath. But if I can get to the point right away where I say, "Bless them, change me," or I can get to the point right away where I remind myself that they may have been in a hurry for something important. You know, where I can have some empathy for them. Um, if I can get there on my own. 
I can let go of it, then I don't need to call and do a tenth step. But if two blocks down the road, I'm still human, it's still it's still affecting me, then uh, it's time to pick up the phone and, and uh, call somebody, call somebody on my God squad and, uh, and get rid of it. Because if I don't, I'll eventually eat over it. Um, does that that make sense? That um, you know, for me, it's it's just you know, resentment is refeeling something. If I keep refeeling the the uh, refeeling the the anger, uh, then I need help getting rid of it. I need I need to I always need to go to God, but I need to go to somebody else and talk about it. Yes, that's very helpful. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Matthew, for the question. Yes, thanks, Matthew. Okay, Robin Joe B., it's your turn. Thank you so much, Leah. Um, thank you, Craig. Um, I always enjoy um, listening to your shares and when you read meetings and stuff. I, um, I, my question is, I have been in program since February of 2010, um, I have been, what I say, abstinent since December of 2010, um, abstinent from the flour and sugar. Now, just like we were talking here earlier, you know, we realized there are things that we need to give up, and, and I have definitely had my share of giving up more and more and more. Um, also, I am a perfectionist, and... Um, I I just really beat myself up that I don't do everything perfect. So my question is, so we know we have all these different trigger foods and and um, and actions, but I am realizing of the disease, or if it is something in me that is just being weak, but um, that. Just the simple act of eating is a trigger for me. Now, I have weighed and measured my food from the very beginning, um, and I love weighing and measuring. It's like a security blanket for me. But I don't weigh and measure if I go out or um, a lot of times go, um, you know, to other places. Um, Okay, so if... So if... Just the act of eating is is a trigger for me. I can I'm never satisfied ever. I'm I always want more. It doesn't matter if you know how full I feel. I want more. So if just always needing more, 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 am I truly recovered? Can I honestly get on here and say that I'm recovered? If or um, because I am weighing and measuring and Staying, you know, is that is that the definition of recovery? Okay, thank you. Mm, yeah, thank you for the question. I don't know that I'm qualified to have much to say about that. Um, you know, um, are are you recovered? Have you worked the steps? You know, um, mm-hmm. you know that that's. Uh, uh, I don't know that there's a universal answer to the definition of being recovered, but if you if you've worked the steps and you're living in ten, eleven, and twelve, and 
you know, you're being honest about uh, things like this, then I'd say that you have that you certainly are recovered in 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 some sense of the word. Um, you know, the uh, uh, the idea that eating uh, by itself. You know, the one of the promises is freedom from food obsession. You know, we're freedom from food obsession, and and I, I I'm uh, I don't know, I, I just um, I, I I I would struggle with that. I, I think that uh, uh, you know that that's something maybe you, uh, you 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 have to pray about and write about with your sponsor. What is it just a is an unrealistic uh, is it an unrealistic expectation? You know, there's always going to be some there's always going to be something in, in in life that calls me. You know, there's always going to be some some uh, uh, desire. You know, some physical craving uh, that you were going to have to deal with. I I, I believe and and you know, but. It, that that recovered state puts us in a place where we can be honest about that, we can admit to it, and we can take it to God and uh, and and let God deal with it for us. That I I think for me that's more the reco- the the definition of recovery than uh, not having anything ever call my name. I don't know. Maybe other people. Maybe that's a question you'd ask around. Ask some good, some some of the some of the real gurus that we have, or some of the some of the other recovered people around. See what they think about that. I don't know. Okay, Craig. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Robin Joe B. Sandy S. Your turn with a question. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Asheville. I've been recovered for a long time and go through the steps a lot while staying in 10, 11, and 12. And recently focusing on step six and seven. And I find it helpful if you could tell me what character defect do you feel God has removed? or pretty much removed, or has diminished a lot. And which one is like the real tough one that you're still working on? You might see a little bit of improvement, but this is the one or two that really just, you know, about you in the butt, whatever. And I'd love to hear that. Thanks. Mm, thank you. Um, you know, I think that... Um, uh, one of the character defects that uh, God um, has, if not removed, diminished a great deal in me is judgment. Um, you know, my my desire to judge other people, um, or my tendency to to judge other people based on my standards. Um, I I think another one that uh, that um, God dim- diminished, but um, I still struggle with is procrastination, um, and that procrastination is tied into my perfectionism. You know, I, I had a there was a in the, this house that I live in that I own. Um, 
there was a place where the tile wasn't done correctly at the end of the wall. And, you know, I'm an estimator for construction company, and I do have an architectural degree, and I I have a, you know, uh, I have ideas. And I I, uh, uh, went and got a, uh, I thought, I'm just going to trim the end of that with like a stainless steel C-channel. And, and, you know, I had this vision of how that was going to turn out, and I went and got the C channel, and you know it didn't it didn't look as good as I thought it would look when I was done. It looks good, but it just you know it was hard to uh, hard to attach it, and and my uh, perfectionism kicked in, and I and I, I need to take it off and trim a little bit on off this one edge so it'll seat a little better, and down at the bottom, and because it's not perfect. I, I I just haven't taken the time to do that. Does that does that make sense? My my perfectionism kicks in, and because it's not going to be perfect, I, so I, don't I, I yeah I don't want to touch it, you know. And and so, um, but is it better than it used to be? Yeah, you know, it, it, my perfectionism, my procrastination. Uh, one of the things I've learned, one of the is that. Um, not to set and stew about it too much before I do something. You know, I have a something at work. If I set and stew about it uh, uh, because it's not going to turn out well, you know, it's not going to turn out the way I want it to, I won't even start to handle it. I'll put it off for days at a time. But what I've learned is if I go ahead and take the first step, if I just go ahead and get into action, that uh, the rest of it will fall in place, you know. So it, is my perfectionism better than it used to be? Yes. Is it rooted in my ego? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, so uh, I, I have to. Um, I think I'm a work in progress. Is all I'm saying. But um, is that is that enough of an answer? Uh, that was great. Thanks a lot, Craig. Thank you. Thanks, Sandy S. Kathy W. Time for your question. Good morning. This is Cassie W. Um, I'm a compulsive reader in Denver, Colorado. Um, thank you. This is really, really helpful. Uh, I guess uh, my question is that uh, I've been programmed for about 10 months now, and uh, I've done a lot of experimenting and like figuring out what my abstinence is. I think you mentioned that in your talk that, or just example that, uh, like you found that you are allergic to fruits, uh, the high sugar fruits, like the grapes and the cherries. I have that too. And I kind of get stuck in my head with like, Oh, woe is me. Why does program have to be so hard for me? It's not fair. Like that guy gets to eat grapes. And like, I definitely understand that our disease like has different symptoms. Like we have different compulsive eating behaviors and all that, but how do I get past the like, feeling defeated and how do I deal with self-pity and woe is me that comes from being totally honest about how difficult or not like my abstinence is. Yeah. Um, if I could paraphrase, this is, thank you very much for the question, but if I could paraphrase it for you, I would say that your question was, how do I get out of self? You know, how, how, how do I get beyond thinking about me, uh, you know, 
and it comes down again to that prayer every morning. You know, guide my thoughts and actions today. Show me how, how I can be of service to you and others. You know, when, when I'm thinking about how I can be of service to, to God and my fellow human beings, um, whether I get to eat grapes or not today becomes a pretty minor issue. You know, I, I have uh, I have a food plan that worked out with a nutritionist that um, certainly nourishes my body, um, you know, and it uh, gives me what I need to live on. Uh, there are, uh, you know, how many billions of people on this face of this earth that go to bed every night malnourished. You know, they go to bed uh, every night without... Uh, without having eating, eaten properly or eaten much during the day ahead of them. And if they got something to eat, it was probably something high starch, uh, carbohydrate, you know. Um, so part of my 11th step review at night is a gratitude list, you know. And the gratitude list always starts with sheets and eats or three hots and a cot. In other words, I'm grateful today, you know. And, and because look how many people didn't go to bed with a adequate roof over their head. Look how many people today didn't get three uh, square meals, you know. Uh, look how many people today didn't have their nutritional needs met, and, and I'm worried about whether I got to eat grapes or not, you know. Um, so my gratitude list and, and, and my focusing on my gratitude helps me not focus on me and what I need. You know, uh, when I when I get too tied up in that, uh, I uh, dial up uh, one of my favorite charities. Uh, I shouldn't probably plug it, but I'm going to. Uh, Food for the Hungry. And I say, here's an extra $20 for some crisis that you're meeting in the world somewhere, you know. And there's other charities, don't get me wrong, but uh, that will work. Uh, in other words, take an action to get out of myself. Take an action not to be so focused on me and whether I had to eat hamburger or steak and, and focus on the fact that I got my nutritional needs met today and not, not focus on not focus on uh, on me. Does that help? Uh, yeah, thank you. I'll call you back. I have another question, but I'll thank you. Oh, all right. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Kathy W. Mary Lee R. Oh, good morning, Craig and Leah and everybody online. Um, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. So, Craig, when my question is, when you were told that you had a 25% chance of dying, what changes did you make then? Mm. Well... I laid in that hospital bed that night, and you got to remember at that point, I mean, I'd have been around this program over 25 years, uh, in and out, absent, not absent, and, uh, uh, but I laid in that bed that night, and the first change I made was I cried out to God, because I knew, laying there, that before the solution had been all along, I, I knew that uh, that what was killing me, you know, was... Uh, a result of my hard-headedness, a result of my my unwillingness to work this simple program and to give myself completely to this simple program of recovery. That uh, that and so what what changed was what 
what changed, first of all, was my heart in, in that I was ready to say whatever it takes, whatever I have to do, whatever you want from me, whatever I have to confess to, whatever amends I need to make, uh, I'll make them. Uh, because I wasn't ready to die, you know. I, I wasn't ready to uh, to give up. I, I There's still life left in me. So um, the first change was to simply completely, I know, simply completely surrender. Boy, that... <laughs> That 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 tickles me. Uh, the first change was to just completely surrender, just to give up and say, uh, "I can't do this. Uh, you can. I'm gonna let you." Um, you know. So uh, the rest of the changes after that, you know, that they're 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 technical. You know, uh, a- after surrender, the changes are technical and and they're are up for constant evaluation and adjustment. Um, you know, I had a nutritionist from the hospital there that, that understood some of what I needed. Uh, she gave me a good food plan, you know, that, a physical therapist that gave me a little exercise plan. Those things are up for adjustment. They're always up for evaluation. The thing that's not up for evaluation or adjustment is that idea that I'm all in, that, that this isn't some uh, side course that uh, uh, doesn't have, that takes a back seat to my social life. Uh, this, is, this, is, uh, this is the source of life at this point. Does that answer your question? Oh, hooray for the higher power. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thanks, Mary Lee. Our final question for this morning comes from Nancy C. Hi, this is Nancy C. Um, My question sort of bounces off from the last question um, that you just had, and it is that I am currently um, redoing my steps. I'm restarting. I'm on step one. And with all the reading and thinking I'm doing in the first few chapters in the big book, it just is very apparent that I... I'm having trouble with powerlessness and surrender. And it sounds so simple and I try so hard. You know, maybe I'm too desperate and I'm struggling too hard. But every morning and, and throughout the day, I, I admit my powerlessness. I ask to turn my life over. But I just keep doing the same things and being the same way. And I don't know that there's an answer to this, but I'd like to have your take on powerlessness and surrender and how you do it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, I don't know. I'm, thanks for the question. I, you know, I think that in some respects that desperation, it, it, I mean, it, it's a gift, you know, um, that God um, God gives us a gift of desperation, um, you know, the gift of abstinence, the gift of desperation. They're, they are maybe not things that we can manipulate for, um, you know, mm-hmm. I, if, if I'm honest with myself, um, you know, I, I'm more, uh, if I'm honest in my evaluation of, of past performance, uh, I'm more likely to see how powerless I am. Um, you know, that the one thing I can do is simply be honest with my past results, honest with what I've done in the past and, 
and and take a frank look at at, at how um, how little success I had when I was running the show, and uh, that might help me get to the point where I'm ready to give up, where I'm ready to say, I can't do it. You can. I think I'll let you. Um, but um, the rest of it is maybe asking for that gift, you know, maybe praying and say, God, please help me. Uh, you know, please, I, I, I surrender, God, please help me to surrender. You know, I, I believe, God, help me to believe, you know, help my unbelief. Um, uh, does that does that help? Yes, Craig. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Yes, thank you, Nancy C, for the question. Thanks to everybody who posed questions this morning. Covered a lot of ground from powerlessness and abstinence all the way to step ten, eleven, and twelve. So. Thanks for those questions. Craig, thank you so much for such a compelling presentation this morning, all your experience and helpfulness and humility. Much appreciated. We're going to close from page 164. You'll take a notice that it's in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.